Hello, and welcome to the Television Spotlight on the Comic Book Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, we'll be having a spoiler-filled discussion about a television show that we think you'll enjoy. I am joined by my sister Kay, and we're going to have a spoiler-filled discussion on the first season of the television show MacGyver, in this case, the 2016 version. Thank you. Because I reserve the right for us to go back and do the seven seasons of the original show. Well, and definitely in terms of spoilers, I think there will be a little uh, compare-contrast, because this MacGyver feels very different. Than the other MacGyver. There's going to be a ton of compare and contrast. We're going to spoil the hell out of both shows. Yeah. And it was one of those things. We saw a panel in San Diego Comic-Con before the show aired. I think they were still filming the pilot. They were. Um, and it had Lucas Till, who plays MacGyver. Um, George Eads, who plays uh, Jack Dalton. Mm-hmm. And the... Director and executive producers. Director and executive producers. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think who else they had there. And... It's funny because there are aspects of... First off, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the old show. Richard Dean Anderson still is MacGyver in my mind. Mm. Lucas Till's done a good job. But they took the original show, and which was a, a solo adventurer, for lack of a better name, uh, you know, of MacGyver, who worked for the government for a bit, worked for the Phoenix Foundation and whatever. But he was his own man and, and had a lot of adventures... Uh, across the board of, of well, different areas. In the original MacGyver, I could never figure out where his income came from. He did not work five days a week for anyone. 40 hours a week for anyone. You know what I mean? He made ends meet, and I think a lot of it came down to there were certain jobs he'd done that he got money for, and there were other jobs that he got money and a favor for. Yeah, but he seemed to... I guess, kind of be an occasional contractor at the Phoenix Foundation and be an occasional contractor or consultant for these uh, ecology-type product projects like Saving the Bald Eagles was one of my favorites. Well, yeah, essentially the Phoenix Foundation, I think, at times acted as a contracting company for MacGyver, not exclusively yeah, that yeah. way, but, you know, he would do jobs that would help out uh, eco- ecological organizations or various companies or whatever, and they would pay a fee for that. So his, he got money for that, but also in the original show, there was a very clear quid pro quo. He could turn down any assignment. Mm-hmm. He had enough money and, frankly, frankly, a fairly frugal lifestyle. Yes. So he didn't need a whole lot. Um, that, you know, if he wanted to turn down a, a, a job, he could or whatever. There are other times uh, Peter Thornton had to talk him into it And it's like, okay, and, you know, he'd get a favor, one of them. And this would be what they would start some of the episodes with. He'd have a hockey game with professional hockey players. Yeah. You know, uh, a scrimmage or whatever sort of uh, thing. And there was a aspect of Thornton, who was a good friend of MacGyver, trying to keep MacGyver happy because he knew what a resource MacGyver was. Yeah. One of the... My favorite things in that original MacGyver in the pilot was when he showed up for the first mission, if you will. He had an empty bag. 
And they're asking him basically, you know, don't you need to take your gear? Don't you need to take stuff with you? And he's like, I've got my empty bag. The bag's not for what I bring. It's for what I pick up along the way. Yeah. And that pilot episode um, was, I think, maybe the only one written by uh, uh, Lee David Zlotoff, or however you pronounce his last name, creator of MacGyver. Um, And in the... I'm also going to spoil the five-issue miniseries of MacGyver that Image did a while back. But what I'm going to spoil is not the story, but the backup feature. Mm. Um, the the creator of MacGyver did a one-page or two-page, you know, letter-page kind of editorial page outlining the uh, the genesis of the property. And essentially, it was going to be originally Hourglass. And again, this was back, when did the original show air? 70 or 87? 87, I think-ish. Sounds right. There, give or take a year or two. Um, so long before the show 24. And the reason I mentioned this is the premise of the show was it was going to be taking place in real time over the span of an hour. Yeah. And uh, that's how it was pitched to the networks. Then it came time to write it. He got assigned to write it. And he's like, I can't make this work. This, this can't work. Well, and let's keep in mind, it was before cell phones. And more importantly, it's a show. It wasn't a team show. Or an ensemble show. It was a main character show. Well, at, at that point, Hourglass could have gone either way. The real time was the main pitch. True. But the person who had sold it to the network was um, uh, Henry Winkler. Mm. The Fonz. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so here was this this writer coming up in the, the ranks, having to tell somebody who'd gotten some, some power in Hollywood, uh, but was known for being the Fonz, I can't make this work. Yeah. And, you know, the the way he tells the story, it's like, well, did I just anger this guy who couldn't be angered? You know, kind of, a, you know, how is this going to go? Whatever. And basically it came down to, well, what can you make work? Yeah. We, we've sold a show. What's the show we sold? And well, he came up with the idea of, of, of kind of the uh, the everyman who can, who can uh, adapt on the fly mm-hmm. and made that work for that pilot episode. And what's interesting with the pilot episode and again, we're talking more about the original yeah, than yeah. the new, but I think you need to have this, is that was where um, uh, Dana Elklar first showed up as a role other than Pete Thornton. Yeah. And again, provided the same narrative role of why is he asking the questions? Why is he doing this? How does this work? Whatever. Yeah. Because for a character like MacGyver to work, you need to have the foils for him to explain stuff too. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that made the original show work was the voiceover. Definitely. There were a few, and I think the Bald Eagle one and a few others, where there was virtually no other characters in the episode, and you had this voiceover, and you had the, well, my grandpa would tell me this story or whatever, this, that, and the other, and, you know, as he's working through a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never felt like you were being told the story, but you were being told a story while they're showing you a story. Yeah. And, again, it was a solo adventurer who could... You just stumble across, you know, well, my neighbor's having this problem. I've got to help them. You know, he's going and getting groceries. This happens. He follows and has to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Or he's sent on a mission kind of a thing. Part of the magic of the original MacGyver was this big, warm, caring heart. I almost want to say trusting, but he wasn't naive in that respect. He wasn't naive, but he was a do-gooder by nature mm-hmm. and couldn't almost couldn't help himself he he yeah he helped people because that's what he was yeah and he worked for the phoenix foundation did work for the government that involves certain spy type missions at times helping people get across uh, uh the iron curtain or, or whatever well and that goes back to the period in which it was written 
Right. But the reason I mentioned the spy type shove stuff is when they redid the show for this, I think they picked some of the wrong elements to focus on. I would agree. He very much, MacGyver, is a spy. Yeah. He works for a, a fake think tank versus a real think tank. Yeah. Um, and the think tank is a cover for his spy stuff. Instead of Peter Thornton, we got Patricia Thornton. Well, but let's go back okay. to that, what you just said. Because one of the things I loved about the original MacGyver was this inherently honest person. Mm -hmm. And the way they recrafted the show, MacGyver was lying to his roommate. All right. Before we get to the new cast, let's let's recap just a little more on the old show. So you've got MacGyver, okay, the mm -hmm. honest Boy Scout type. Exactly. And that's okay. why I wanted to highlight that. Yeah, no, though. I agree. You had... Pete Thornton. Pete Thornton, who he worked for. So he was kind of the, I don't say the buddy, uh, other part of the buddy duo at times, but he was well, the the mission handler and whatever, but they were good friends. Yeah, he was the guy who understood if MacGyver didn't have these jobs that he contracted to giving him a paycheck, he couldn't afford to be the do-gooder Boy Scout he wanted to be. He needed some income. Well, I think it was that, and there was no problem he couldn't throw at MacGyver that MacGyver couldn't solve. Agreed. So, you need something done. Uh, for some stuff, yeah, anyone could do it. For for almost anything, this guy can solve the, the impossible. Mm -hmm. Okay, so he was kind of uh, Thornton's ace up his sleeve. Um, but the other two long-term characters of the show were Jack Dalton. Recurring. Recurring. Yeah. Okay. There were others that were recurring, a few of the regulars, but I'm talking over the seven yeah, seasons. Yeah. But Jack Dalton was a longtime friend from, like, college or whatever of MacGyver's, who was a con artist, always getting into trouble. The proverbial bad influence, who I don't want to say took advantage of MacGyver, but Pete always looked at anything Jack Dalton took MacGyver into as, how is this going to blow up in his face? How is this going to bite him in the behind? Referring to MacGyver. Well, what am I going to have to rescue MacGyver from because he helped Dalton? It's funny because I think uh, Pete Thornton and Jack Dalton were almost flip sides of the same coin. Both were good friends of MacGyver, but Thornton was, was for all the right reasons and, Mac and Dalton was a good friend for the right reasons, but was always getting him into trouble. It was always a, whatever I do, this guy can bail me out. Yes. And with Thornton, it's just, uh, MacGyver can bail somebody else out of what they've done, and I can help make that happen. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know... When Dalton's motives were more self-centered Oh, absolutely. Pete's. Pete's. And shallow, and a bit naive. Yeah. But MacGyver was a good friend of him as much as he hated helping Dalton and was infuriated by what Dalton may get himself into... He, MacGyver was the kind of friend that would always bail him out. I'm trying to think. Dalton had these airlines with various names. Fly by night. Yes. Uh, that was the one that came to mind first. Yeah. And it was just the moment you would hear something like, well, I've got fly by night. And you just, you wanted to groan with, with a name like that. You instantly think smuggling. And it was. Yes. So Jack Dalton in the old show would, would skirt the boundaries of the law. Um, but had a good heart, and he was played by uh, Bruce McGill. Yes. Who did a great job. The other person that kind of spanned the seasons uh, a bit was Murdoch, the mm. mercenary or whatever. They did have the character of Nikki for a season or two, another agent of the Phoenix Foundation, and Penny Parker, which that was Terry Hatcher, which is uh, yeah. 
again, kind of a uh, friend of MacGyver's well, and, and later worked at the Phoenix Foundation. Penny Parker was an interesting one because she seemed to just kind of bumble into, oh, no, really, he's my boyfriend. He loves me. He wouldn't ask me to wear jewelry through security without knowing what it's worth. She was thing. essentially, if you want to go for a Scooby-Doo reference, Daphne. Yes. Danger prone Daphne. Penny Parker would get herself in the craziest situations uh, because she was naive in whatever and MacGyver would have to help get her out. Mm hmm. Um, so you've got those characters, they decide to redo the show, and they revamp stuff. So we get MacGyver, who's still, again, the core character, the, uh, can, can improvise anything. Well, go back to the original. MacGyver was the only character in every episode. Yes. I'd have to look it up, but there were episodes without Thornton. There were episodes, like I said, without any other character. Yeah. Because it's just Mac in the wilderness having to go solve something. But I guess my point is, that's why I say it was such a lead character-centered name character show. It was a solo hero, yeah. adventurer, not spy. Yeah. And then uh, Dalton was twice a season? A couple of times a season. Sometimes more, sometimes less. But, I mean, Pete Thornton was the other one who was in most of the episodes. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, everyone else, they get down to, you know... A handful. A dozen or two most yeah. over the course of seven seasons. Right. So here what they do is they reimagine the stuff as MacGyver's a spy. He's a bit younger, maybe not a ton. Maybe that's just my perspective on yeah. stuff. Um, but he's got Jack Dalton, who's now, I think, like an ex-Navy SEAL or something, um, who is his, basically his, his bodyguard, if you will. Well, they seem to have served in the military together. Yeah. And... Dalton realizes MacGyver saved my life more than once. This guy can think himself out of any box, but he can't kill anybody who's coming up behind him. Well, he's a little, he's an egg. Uh, Dalton think the new Dalton thinks the new MacGyver is a bit of an egghead, but he can keep MacGyver safe and MacGyver can get them out of any jam. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to have somebody in your foxhole, that's the guy for both of yeah. them, you know? Yeah. Um, so they, they took the friendship aspect between the original MacGyver and the original Pete Thornton, ju uh, uh, juxtaposed that or, or redid that to where it's now MacGyver and uh, the new Jack Dalton. Yeah. And I mean, they did definitely capture aspects of the original Dalton into that as well. Well, yeah, because there's the somewhat whimsical uh, aspect of the character, mm -hmm. the joking around, not too serious sort mm -hmm. of a thing. Well, and the utter and complete confidence that no matter what situation I get us into, Mac can get us out. Yes. Mac is the magical miracle worker. No jam is too big for this guy. Yeah. He's got my back. Yeah. The, yeah. The, I don't say blind, but the utter faith in MacGyver. Yeah. But now it's balanced with a utter and complete loyalty. Yeah. Well, it's funny because there's also enough of the exasperation from MacGyver towards Dalton in the new show to echo the old one. Yes. And I think the chemistry between uh, Lucas Till and, and George Eads uh, really is what makes the show work. Definitely. And that was something that George Eads uh, made a point of trying to build up before the show started filming. Yeah. Uh, they told a really good story about that at Comic-Con about how it's like, yeah, we're going to film this week. We'll, we'll just meet up a, a weekend or whatever earlier, hang together, get to know each other and kind of build that up because Eads had been on the show for... Ten years or ten so. years or something, and knew the chemistry between the the actors. It'll show on screen. Yeah. So that was a, an investment that actor made, 
and it worked well. Yeah. Um, and I think it was one that uh, it sounded like Till appreciated. Yeah. So in addition to those two, um, and again, I think they kind of re-engineered the new Jack Dalton to be a little of the old Jack Dalton, a little of the Peter Thornton in terms of best bud kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but they created a Patricia Thornton character as the the head of the Phoenix Foundation, much like Peter Thornton was. Um, they also brought Nikki uh, Carpenter from the old show, a version of her love interest for MacGyver, another agent of the Phoenix Foundation. So very similar there. Um, but then they decided to add in uh, Riley, the computer hacker, wasn't really needed back in the day. Yeah. Uh, and when she gets introduced, it's like, well, I hack computers. What do you do, MacGyver? And he's like, I hack everything else. Yeah. So that was a fun interplay. Having her being essentially kind of, sort of, the the daughter figure or whatever. Stepdaughter, Stepdaughter basically. kind of a thing for uh, Dalton. Dalton. Made for some interesting dynamics. But then the other thing they added was... Um, Bozer. Bozer, uh, who is the childhood friend of MacGyver. And in that respect, kind of, sort of, filled the role of Jack Dalton. Mm-hmm. Well, he is MacGyver's touchstone to everyday life, to reality... Uh, early in the season, what I loved about Bozer was Bozer wants to, you know, they are grown up. Don't get me wrong. But when he grows up, he wants to make movies. Well, it's funny because early in the season, there was all this, you know, I'm making this film kind of a thing. I need help with the special effects MacGyver kind of thing. But Bozer was uh, working as a, a, a burger cook or whatever at a fast food place and then progresses to later working at the Phoenix Foundation because he's actually very gifted with the uh, the prosthetics and the makeup well, effects. Yeah, they realize a lot of the stuff that he had been doing as a hobby for films could actually help them out at the Phoenix Foundation. But he originally filled the role of the Penny Parkers, mm-hmm. the the landlords, the next-door neighbors, all of those things. The kids from the community center. The kids from the community center, etc. Yeah, those touchstones to community and reality. So, to me, the biggest changes they made was making MacGyver a spy, mm-hmm. making it an ensemble show. Definitely. Uh, and removing uh, some of the touchstones because MacGyver was originally in the old show, the Richard Dean Anderson version of the character, such a, uh, while he would be traveling a lot, he was also a very well-known and respected member of the community. Yeah. I don't think out of the various places, the houseboat, the apartments, or wherever, Mac lived in the old show, that there wasn't a nearby uh, boys club, Mm -hmm. community center, church, soup kitchen, or whatever. He was always volunteering somewhere. He was helping... um I was trying to think there was one place where he was using some computers. It was either to help the deaf or the blind. And then he ended up getting them to help with the Phoenix Foundation thing. And yeah, he was just always involved in community service. Well, and it was one of those things. He couldn't walk down the street without seeing somebody who had a car that was broken or something they needed to have fixed or whatever. And yeah. You know, uh, a widget or two and an anecdote later, he'd have it fixed and uh, a new buddy down the street kind of a thing. Yeah. Well, and I mean, starting early in the season, one of the things I really didn't care for was their take on uh, Patricia Thornton was a little too 
modern Mission Impossible movies, uh, Phelps. Well, first off, they turned Nikki from the pilot into a traitor. Yeah. Okay, different direction, fine, whatever. Then about halfway through the season, they turned Patricia Thornton into the traitor, and maybe Nikki is, maybe she isn't, we're not sure yet. Yeah. But Nikki to the point of actually shooting MacGyver and nearly killing him. When one of the big themes of the whole season was, and it fits with the spy show, don't get me wrong, but the theme seemed to be, you never know who you can trust. Absolutely. And to me, that's not a MacGyver theme. I would say it's an anti-theme of the old show. Because in the old show, you knew who you could trust. Mm -hmm. Now, there may be one or two moles in the old Phoenix Foundation, a few things like that. Mm -hmm. But there was never a question of trust, I think, between Pete Thornton and MacGyver, between uh, MacGyver and Dalton, or even Thornton and Dalton. What they trusted in Dalton, however... Yeah, exactly. MacGyver knew Dalton was running scams and that fly-by-night airlines was named that for a reason and that whenever dalton would come by he had to get bailed out of something it was a what have you gotten into now yes yes but but they they trusted that about him exactly exactly yeah and that he may have gotten into trouble but it's not like he was doing something really heinous or or malicious malicious it was stupid not necessarily evil yes yes whereas at one point in the show, with the new show, the new season, um, can we trust the boss? Can we trust the new boss? Who can we trust? What about Riley? Whatever. And there are certain things that I don't think there was ever a question of could MacGyver and Jack trust each other. Mm. And that was essential because Mac knew Bozer. Bozer knew Mac. Mm-hmm. There there was a point where Bozer couldn't trust Mac because Mac had lied about being a, a, an agent. Yeah. But even that, there was the bedrock of the foundation to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Likewise... While there was some friction between Riley and and Jack, they had a long-term relationship that predates the show. The friction there was fascinating to me because it came down to Riley pointing out, I kind of get you left to shield us, to protect us, but didn't you understand you were the only father figure I ever had and you abandoned me? To protect me. They did some really good stuff in this uh, season with relationship building. Yeah. Uh, again, who can you trust and whatnot, and and how the team kind of forms and gels. Now, the second boss they brought in, Matilda Weber, Maddie, mm-hmm. at first wasn't too sure what I thought of the character. Part of that was they, wasn't, they weren't giving her much material. When they were giving her material, it was... MacGyver is the kind of personality I can't work with. She was very antagonistic towards the leads that we'd already had half a season to get to know and love Mm -hmm. to whatever degrees we did. Yeah. Uh, And it was kind of like when they brought in uh, Dr. Pulaski in the second season of Next Generation. Yeah. And she was immediately antagonistic towards Data. Yeah. And it's like, we know Data. We like Data. Who the hell are you? Yeah. Very. And that character lasted a year. But I think these writers did much better with Maddie. Yes. I think they built up um, from this is an outsider coming in, can we trust her, can we not, to her earning the trust and respect and it going both ways. Yeah. You know, MacGyver being too much of an improviser and she's like, this is a wild card. I don't know how to use a wild card. Yes. You know, to... The episode where Dalton got hurt because he didn't really understand some of the stuff MacGyver was saying. Yes. And maybe that's not the right pairing. Yeah. I fully expected an episode 
while Dalton was healing, that somebody else would step in, kind of that replacement. Again, to compare and contrast. Well, yeah, an episode that basically showed Dalton's the only one who's figured out how to work with MacGyver. It would have been interesting to have had somebody who thought they could follow along with what MacGyver was doing, but they weren't MacGyver. And therefore, there comes a point where Dalton would pretty much do what he was told to do, maybe not get it always 100%, but again, they know each other, they trust each other. Throw somebody else that on paper looks like a better fit Mm -hmm. and find out why they're not. Yeah. You know? Now, I'm trying to recall the crossover with 5-0. That was interesting because I thought that was one of the more MacGyverish episodes this season. Where basically they're done with one mission, they're on the jet, they get rerouted to Hawaii, which has just had a natural disaster. Mm-hmm. And they're there to help. And they do get split up at that point. They get split up and you've got kind of Bozer and Riley with their own little, you know, how do we help? Um, and then you've got Mac and uh, uh, Dalton going. And they're interfacing with uh, Kono and Chin of the 5-0 team. So you got the two revival shows, even though yeah. the revivals from shows of different decades working together. And you've got Mac improm- improvising everything from essentially a, a poor man's sonar kind of a thing, using a, a radar gun to find people to, you know, a lot... He did a lot more MacGyverisms, if you yeah. will. Well, when he repaired a generator that they had pretty much given up on of we've done everything we can to repair it and he's like just let me look at it yeah but it was one of those he was going he fixed the generator he did this he did that he yeah. did this and it was a very much old school kind of uh macgyver and i think part of the difference between this writing team and the old school one is the old school one throughout the course of an episode there were a lot of things where it's like well there's this over here there's that over there i could do this i could do this and between the voiceover and the anecdote MacGyver would be telling or whatever, you could see how he was building a blowtorch out of a bicycle yeah, or whatever. And there was enough of the uh, cut to the, the shot of the hands putting together the, the things or whatever with the voiceover. You, you, you saw the work being done. They showed didn't yeah. tell. Whereas here, you know, they'll grab a few things, do a couple of things, but just. It's magic cursory it's it well to me it feels like magic is opposed to science well they don't have the montage essentially when macgyver would make uh fertilizer uh bombs or whatever you would see him well we got some newspaper we got some fertilizer we got a little of this here's what you do this is why it's you know Mm -hmm. yada yada little history and they'd leave out one or two things so people don't blow themselves up yeah exactly but you would see him you know putting the thing together and whatnot not every excruciating detail but here it's yeah we're going to make it out of out of fertilizer and then they're kind of done well and then you see something going through a funnel into an unknown something that's out of sight and it's done there was a more mr wizard aspect yeah a more of a let's walk you through what we're thinking whereas here you get the high level concept and just let's go with it well, in the crossover with Five O, at the end, uh, he's taken apart, I guess, Chen's laser scope. He's using they've they're going up against uh self guided bullets, so it's basically whatever has the hottest laser thing gets hit. Yeah. So he's taken apart uh Chen's laser sight. So once the the bad guys have fired one of the magic bullets, they can redirect it. Yeah, and what got me there was. Uh, Mac and Dalton basically saying, okay, somebody has to go out and be a target. 
and then somebody else has to control the new laser. And Dalton's saying, well, you know, I'm the one who takes bullets. And Matt goes, not this time, because you're the one who can aim the you're laser. You're the better shot. Yeah. 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 And for a moment, Dalton's sitting there going, wait, this feels like a reversal of roles. And I'm not comfortable with you being in front of bullets. That That's my job. Yeah. My job is to keep you safe, not use you as the decoy. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, that was a great scene of just not flat out saying how those characters interact, but them acknowledging their relationship. What was funny is I think it was around that time that Chin mentioned to Kono about the bickering and how familiar that was. Yeah. Going towards Danny and uh, um, McGarrett. McGarrett on 5-0. So there were times where I thought they really understood the MacGyver aspect of the show. Yeah. But there are other times where they were so focused on making it a spy show, mm. an ensemble spy show, it's almost as much Mission Impossible. Well, at one point we had a could we trust Riley or not episode. Yeah. And it turned out her mother had been kidnapped and all these things. And the entire time Jack is like, yes, we can trust her. Yes. You know, so it was a good character thing there. Um, but part of the aspect I liked about the old show that's missing here is MacGyver's adventures in the old show could be anything from let's do a spy thing, let's do an industrial espionage, oh, let's go check in on an old college professor or a buddy from 20 years ago or somebody you knew as a mm -hmm. kid or whatever. Well, and he did more environmental disasters and raising uh, tides raising. The oil derrick episode. Yes. Yeah. The, the one with the ants. There's an old story, Lennington uh, or something versus the ants or whatever. It's a classic short story about uh, um, something out in the middle of like the Amazon or whatever. Uh, and this wave of ants is just devouring everything in sight. How do they survive? They essentially did an episode of MacGyver that was that almost, I don't want to say shot for shot because it was yeah. a story, but you get the idea. That kind of a story it would be out of place in this show. Yeah. How would you get this MacGyver into that situation? Yeah. He could certainly solve it, but it would feel like, well, where's the spy stuff? What's Riley? Riley doesn't have any computer things to hack. What's she there? For? How about Bozer? Do we need her? You know? Yeah. So there's a certain solo adventurer aspect of MacGyver and him just going out camping and runs into poachers or yes. uh, whatever. Yeah. That's hard for this to have. Him going rock climbing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing yeah. to bet if we were to go through the seven seasons of the original show, there would be at least one or two per season where if there were any other characters at all, I would be surprised. And if there were any of the regulars or whatever. And and again, probably at least four or five episodes that were so uh, non-spy oriented. Yeah. And that's not to say the direction they went was a bad one, but it was a very different one. It was unexpected for me. And in the old show, I would say the two things MacGyver always had on him were the the pocket knife and some duct tape yeah here they seem to be so focused on paper clips yes which just made no sense to me whatsoever i mean to the point of uh, thornton would have a bowl of paper clips and he would for the first half of the season be fidgeting and making crap out of it like he's an origami uh paperclip origami expert yeah and it's like mm, the wrong wrong thing to focus on yeah now, could he use a paperclip and do stuff? Yeah, but he used a Hershey bar or candy bar in that pilot episode, and it's not like he's sitting there with a bunch of, of candy sitting around. Yeah. So I felt they missed the boat, missed the direction or whatever a little on all of that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, what he was doing was very much a job here. Oh, yeah. And in the original series, it it almost felt like getting called into the Phoenix Foundation was a, a hindrance to the life he'd chosen. You know what I mean? He seems beholden to the Phoenix Foundation, and it's a paycheck. It's, it is his job. He's got to drop everything else to go do it. Whereas in the old show, when somebody asked what he did, he would answer a little of this, a little of that. And it was pretty accurate. Yeah. You know? Um, and it was it was funny because he was such the reluctant hero in the old show. Yes. It's like, no, I just got back from mission. I don't want this. Oh, Mac, we need you for this. We got to have, you know. Yeah. Um. And he avoided the guns, and he avoided punching people. They did uh, a lot with his uh, anti-gun mentality in the old show, mm-hmm. and to the point of it, 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 uh, him going back home to meet with two of the three childhood friends he had, and we realized the third had gotten accidentally killed by a gun, which yeah. is the whole anti-gun aspect. They really bake it into his character. I thought very well. It was a yeah. good anti-gun violence kind of a, a yeah. thing. Just, you know, and it wasn't like it was a, a shooting or whatever. It was just, again, the gun went off. But part of the thing of that character was you don't need guns to solve problems. Yes. And so much gun stuff is happening here. Uh, so much, uh, uh, again, he wouldn't, whenever the old MacGyver would punch somebody, it was, you know, he'd shake his hand out. It's like that hurt. He's not used to that. That's not the way he uses his hands. Yeah. He's a maker, not a fighter. Yeah. Whereas here, uh, the Lucas Till version definitely was punching people. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, Dalton's sitting there with a gun the whole time. Yeah. So I felt they missed the boat a little on that. Now, whether you could make the mindset of the old MacGyver play today, I'd like to think you could, but I'm not positive. I think yeah. the anti-gun, anti-violence... I think you certainly the, couldn't do that in a spy show. Agreed. I think in the eighties they played it up pretty hard and pretty fast in terms of that was a time when we were seeing news articles about kids accidentally getting shot, like was his backstory and stuff. And there were more stories about kids who were out in public parks playing with toy guns that looked enough like real guns that police accidentally shot them. But I think part of the origin of the character was to have an adventurer that was fundamentally different than the others you'd see on TV. Yeah. and Whereas this is just yet another yeah. procedural show, spy-oriented versus police-oriented, but really, mm-hmm. you've still got the computer hacking, you've got the comms, you've got all that. This one doesn't come across as inspiring to me, people to want to learn either science or engineering because, wow, I had no idea kitchen chemistry could think my way out of so many situations. And that was what I felt was so amazing about the original MacGyver. Well, and you're right. That was a, a, an aspect that's very missing here is kind of that uh, knowledge is empowering yeah. aspect. Whereas the old show made it feel like, you know, if you paid attention in school and if you were a little inquisitive, you could you could, you could learn all of this. Yeah. Here, this is just some black magic that that MacGyver guy knows. Yeah. So, and there's also an aspect of the old character that was a lot more humble. Yes. Or just, yeah, I'm nobody, just, you know, helping out kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, not a big deal. And I'm not saying this one is, is arrogant, because he's no, not. No, but he's, he's so confident. 
in a way that the other MacGyver didn't have this, it just beams off of him confidence. He was self-assured. There's a gosh shucks kind of aspect to the old MacGyver that's missing with this one. Yeah. Because I think both are confident, but in very different ways. Yeah. And this is not how I would have brought MacGyver back. I don't think this was a bad way. I'm enjoying the show, but I miss some of the hallmarks of the old show and that MacGyver. Yeah. You know, the one that, that went by MacGyver because he hated his first name. Yes. And, you know, it's like, okay, that's, that's, a, that's a little character quirk. You've got the anti-gun thing. You've got yeah. the, you know, I can uh, take a little of this, a little of that and go make something or whatever. Uh, and what it, the physical hacking of things versus let me make a uh, uh, a Wi-Fi antenna sort of hacking. Yeah. In this day and age, having a character like Riley makes sense, mm -hmm. but it would have been a very different show if they had decided to go with MacGyver and Riley, ditch this Jack Dalton uh, and, and Bozer, and she handles the software, he handles the hardware. Yeah. Kind of the all the hardware, and not just the computer hardware, the hammer and nail type hardware. Yeah. I think they could have gone uh, very far with that approach. In other words, what if it was almost boyfriend-girlfriend kind of adventurers? Yeah, they happen to work with, you know, each has their own little organization they work for. They don't realize they're both working for the Phoenix Foundation, of course. You know, yeah. kind of a... There are ways they could have gone that I think could have been a bit more in the spirit of the old show. Whereas here, I think they were lifting aspects of, of various episodes and plots but missing kind of the spirit of the show? Well, I go back to that he was dishonest with Bozer. And that, to me, is not an aspect of the original MacGyver. Yeah, MacGyver would not have flat-out lied to people on a regular basis about what he did for a living. Yeah. He might have played a little coy, may not have told them a few things, but... um. Yeah, the way Bozer's character was at first introduced and or integrated into the team and whatnot. It was interesting because that uh, actor, Justin Hires, played uh, last season the um, uh, in uh, Rush Hour. He played, what was that actor's name? Um, oh, I can't think of the character name. But he was really great comic relief I was thinking the actor, the, the, the comedian who was in uh, Fifth Element as well. Um, oh, shit, I'm blanking. Chris Rock? No, not no. Chris Rock. Um, um, I'm not going to get it. I can picture his name. I can picture half the lines he's saying. I cannot get the actor's name. Hasn't done a whole lot other than the Rush Hour films. But again, Justin Hires was playing that kind of a character. Um, whereas now he's kind of the supporting cast for MacGyver. And frankly, doing, uh, I think, a better job here than he was on that show. Than on Rush Hour. Well, on that show, he was definitely a uh, comic relief. Well, he was the lead, though. Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker, thank you. Blanket oh, on the name. Yeah, but the other actor was the action, and he yeah. brought the comedy. Well, when you've got a uh, uh, rush hour where you're taking Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan recasting mm. for TV, yeah, you know what? Ten years after the movies or whatever, uh, it's it's already watered down, but. The actor is solid, and he's doing a great job on, on MacGyver. Well, and to that end, he's bringing comic relief here, too. He is, but what's funny is you've got a character whose purpose on the show is to be that background, that bedrock of, of history for MacGyver. Mm -hmm. And other than the one episode where they go back to the school and imply a few things, 
we really don't get this great sense of they've got this long history. Whereas in the old show... They just know each other really well. You know what I mean? Yeah, but in the old show, there were times where Mac and Pete or Mac and Dalton could reference that thing that happened, whatever, and kind of... Yeah. And you've got a sense of they can do, they've got shorthand. Yes. And they, they don't really have that here. Yeah. Well, we were watching a different show the other day, and they're on basically open or comms they know are being overheard and somebody says this is going to go down just like such and such mission Mm -hmm. and that turned out to be code for there's a mole in the room yeah yeah so i'm hoping that they between first and second season of MacGyver, because there will be a second season here they uh take a look at what worked what didn't work retool a little bit fine-tune i don't think they need to make drastic changes but I would like to start seeing a little bit more of MacGyver outside of Phoenix missions. Yeah. And maybe not even necessarily with uh, with Jack there, although that, that'd be hard to pull off. Well, one of the things that they established was these guys are always going to be there for one another. Mm-hmm. And I say that because, like, in the episode where Mac got the call that one of his friends from college had died. Yeah. And he flies cross country to be there for the funeral. When he lands, Dalton is there holding up a sign with MacGyver's name on it, like he's a chauffeur. Well, and this is after Dalton has already been injured from the other stuff I was talking about. Yeah. It's it's one of those things. The Phoenix Foundation is MacGyver's job. He takes it seriously. Protecting Mac is is Dalton's mission in life at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of what the job says, whatever. It's like you could try to fire him, but it wouldn't stick. Yeah, yeah. And to me, it's very much a Dalton knows he'd be dead ten times over if it wasn't for Mac. And it I that's it, where the loyalty comes from, I think to me. it goes beyond that. I think Dalton knows how many other people would also be dead. That too. That too, yeah. That this isn't just some guy. Yeah. This is a guy who has saved countless lives, putting his own life at peril, on a regular basis. Yeah. Somebody should have his back, and he's going to do it. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I think that coupled with the, I wouldn't be around to do it if he hadn't saved my neck. I'm as good a choice as anyone. Yeah. An aspect of that. You kind of, his life would have been over anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And again, I I like the, the chemistry they've built between those two. Um. And how they're very different people. Yes. But it also means this show can never do some of the sorts of episodes the original show did. I think that someone else, the two of them knew when they were in the military, would have to be the old Jack Dalton, the fly-by-night pilot. I was thinking more the Oil Derrick episode, the ants, the the macgyver in the wilderness doing his own thing because he's on vacation i was thinking the accidental smuggler well yeah no and i get that and there's the whole that level of of macgyver stuff um because i can just see mac getting the call and much as pete thornton used to be the one saying you can't go bail out fly by night now it's dalton i think you could introduce somebody that either he and jack knew in the military or is another friend of he and bozer's Mm. that this is the no but nothing but trouble you're going to have to go bail them out again kind of situation be a little hard to kind of fit that in but i think you could make it work but the 
Uh, well, there's also the uh, episode of the old uh, show where MacGyver had to get something from place A to place B, uh, wound up having to put it in somebody else's convertible and uh, f- go with them across the desert or, or whatever. And that was uh, an old... Uh, it a was the classic, guy from Knight Rider. It was a classic old car. It was a classic old car driven by an actor from years gone by from the movies, kind of an Errol Flynn, Errol Flynn kind of a guy. Yes. And yes. he and his wife, he's like, oh, I was in this. And MacGyver's never once... It's like, I haven't seen that. I don't know. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I guess you're a big deal, whatever. Mm-hmm. Until finally at the end, everything kind of, oh, that one I've seen. Well, That's who you are, kind of. But he's destroying, over the course of the yes. adventure, the car. Yeah. First the antenna. And this is something, the guy, it's, oh. this, this is the guy's dream car. And it's yeah. slowly getting ripped to shreds as the convertible's getting used for this. Well, and the little, uh, like, cup-like things that were part of the brake lights. That the the cushions yeah. were getting destroyed for for other purposes, and MacGyver's kind of little bonus for that mission was spent getting the car perfectly restored. Yes, yes. And when they deliver it to the guy, the guy looks at it and says, "There's a scratch." And MacGyver goes over and blows on it, and it goes off. And he tries to mimic his accent with thread. Yes. <laughs> that was but a great episode. Imagine if they could find a way to to organically incorporate that in where at the end of missions, Jack gets his bonus of, you know, a beer or steak or mm-hmm. something pretty, pretty Jack and mundane. Whereas MacGyver is getting those couple of, and maybe it's not even stuff he's requesting, but Maddie understands, hey, you know, this is something that would really yeah. work for MacGyver. Yeah. He gets a one-on-one session with Neil deGrasse Tyson, or he gets, you know, whatever kind of a... Well, in the old show, he used to get, you know, donations to the Boys and Girls Club and that kind of stuff. And I think that was part of the show that really just opened my eyes to the things adults can do for people who need help. There's an aspect of the community service, again, like we've talked yeah. about, that was in the old show that's missing from here. But there were also times where clearly there were certain things that uh, Thornton arranged for for the old MacGyver, the the hockey session with, yeah. with some of the players, a few things like that, well, and that the average person just really couldn't swing. And well, like you're saying, with Neil deGrasse Tyson, if they had kind of a, a, a tag scene or a going out scene at the end where he's there for just 30 seconds with MacGyver and you realize that's his bonus, either year-end bonus or mission bonus. And it's just kind of a, yeah, he's the kind of guy who can keep up with him conversationally. It's something like, yeah, I've set up a lunch meeting for you. You're getting picked up in a few minutes. It's like, dude, I just came back. Trust me on this. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. And then- Neil walks in, MacGyver's like, wait, oh, cool, and then... Yeah, yeah, well, and you have to follow that up with Jack pouting about not getting to go. <laughs> yes? Followed by, like, uh, uh, one of the Laker girls coming in or something. <laughs> like, there are things you could... T- <laughs> I was gonna say by Maddie giving him a Happy Meal. There, there are a number of things you could do to, to make that play. Yes. Um. Yes. So, but I think that in a way, that little conversation between us sums it up. It's a fun, entertaining show that has an intellectual overtone. The problem is it's an implied intellectual overtone. 
Well, for and me, to me, it sums up what I, I like and dislike about the show is it's a good show. I mm-hmm. do like the show. I like the characters. I like the interplay. I like the storylines. But the one thing that uh, is the part I really dislike about it is it is a remake yeah. of a show that I really loved. And both shows are good, but in different ways. There are certain plot lines they've done here that just would not have ever fit in the old show and vice versa. Yeah. Um, if there had never been a previous MacGyver and this was the first thing, I'd like it. I'd be entertained. I don't think it would have hooked me or whatever in the way the original show did because of the voiceover, because of a little bit more in-depth on the explanations, mm-hmm. because of the ingenuity of it. Yeah. Um, well, the original MacGyver captured my imagination and my belief that if you learned enough, you could do anything. The other thing I'd like to see them bring in on the second season is the opening gambits. Yes. Because the original show often would have about a six, seven minute kind of a little mini adventure of MacGyver's. Mm-hmm. One where he had to go rescue like a, a downed pilot on the top of one of these plateaus in like Monument Valley or whatever. Yeah. And he'd be sitting there climbing up. He'd get the guy out. He had to basically jerry-rig. I forget if it was a, maybe it was just a parachute or something, but it was, or a hot air balloon or something, something to where they had to uh, take a, a flare gun, kind of smash down the thing to be a mini rocket or yeah. whatever. Maybe it was a hang glider he built or something. Anyways. Over the course of the old show, he built just about all of yeah, these things. Yeah, really. But when you've got, well, there was the, the Middle East one where he had to go steal the map and use the map in like a variety of ways. Yes. You know, rolling it under the thing, under a doorway to poke the key out, use it to pull the key back to unlock the room, yeah. put a rod in it, use it as a weapon, dis, this, that, and the other. Um, And it was just how many clever ideas and whatnot can you pack into a... a five to seven minute adventure mm-hmm. have it just move quickly very fast yeah. pace but not too fast and just this this guy thinks fast he's going boom boom i could do this oh this isn't going to work how about this let's go this and then you've got your regular adventure for the show where you slow down a little bit get a little bit more character focused but even then you've got time for the soup kitchen yeah or you know whatever and everybody knows macgyver at the phoenix foundation back then yeah he'd be introducing you know talking to how's the janitor doing how about this oh thanks for helping me out on that yeah the macgyver is everybody's friend yeah is something again it's not that they're on the wrong path here it's just so many aspects of the old show that are still waiting to be pulled in yeah i agree with that and pretty much the obsession about paper clips versus the duct tape amazes me. Yeah. <laughs> and well, and that's the other thing we didn't mention is I think every episode except for the pilot uh, of the first season was named after one of the many things that was on a particular model of um, Swiss Army knife. See, I had been trying to figure out if it was something he used in the episode or what. Yes, but not something they focused on. In this case, the pi- the finale was the cigar cutter thing, and that's what he was using to, to cut the cut the hose at the end yeah. that blew the room up. See, this time I caught it. I don't always catch, did he use it or not? Yeah. Okay. So, good show. I like it. I'm glad it's coming back for a second season. Um, I think they've got some really good actors and whatnot. They've got some good writing, but it's... It definitely improved as the season went on. Yeah, definitely. But it's 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 not the old show. No, it's not. And if they bring in uh, MacGyver's father, um, I'm hopeful they could get Richard Dean Anderson. Um, not so sure that I necessarily think that'd be the right choice. 
but because uh, I don't know if he really appreciates the direction the show's gone. Mm. He may or may not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But I hope they find a good actor and an appropriate one. Okay, I'm going to toss out a second option. Henry Winkler. That would be an interesting one. Um, He, again, has the link to the old show, though less obvious. Yeah, yeah. Would he be the right age? Probably. Yeah, it could work. Just a thought. I hope they, they dive into a little bit more of the backstory of MacGyver and such. But, you know, it's funny. Now you have me thinking that that's the other character I miss from the old show is his grandpa, who called him Bud. Those episodes were some of the best. I would actually reserve Richard Dean Anderson for that role. Yes. Well, and one of my favorite episodes, um, they had to run by the Phoenix Foundation because MacGyver had forgotten two tickets to a game they were going to. A hockey game or a basketball game or something. Yeah. And at the very end of the episode, he had used one of the tickets to prevent two uh, two pieces two from connecting. Two contacts from touching, Yeah. Yeah. And so he, they've only got one of the tickets. His grandpa's looking at him like, well, bud, you got a problem, but I don't. Yeah. <laughs> they had some fun stuff there uh, with the old show. And one or two times they would do, you know, it'd be MacGyver's birthday or something. And mm. they would do essentially a clip show. The, yeah. The birthday where they would basically have everybody he had helped in the past year or so come yeah. to check in with him. Yeah. That was fun. Well, and if you think about it, in the span of any one season of the original show, the number of lives he touched personally yeah. within his community or whatever versus here, we don't know any of his neighbors. Yeah. We know out of the entire Phoenix Foundation, other than the leads, the one who in the finale was used as a hostage we'd seen last week. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even sure we could tell, we could have recognized any other recurring uh, Phoenix agent. Almost, but doesn't quite count the talking robot. Talking robot we'd seen twice before, maybe. Just saying. Oh, and Which, the mask I recognized. My point is... Yes, I know. I recognized the props more than the people, which is There sad. were no outside people. Yeah. So, it's... Again, like I said, I like the show. I just... It has, uh, in my mind, a high bar to reach to, to be... Uh, uh, to have kind of earned the name and the title. Yeah. And that's the hard thing for a remake. But yeah, they've they've got more they can do, but they didn't do anything that made me turn away and say, oh my gosh, how could you do that? Well, and I also miss the old opening and stuff like that, where it showed just so many of the MacGyverisms mm -hmm. um, that he would do over the course of a season or whatever. Yeah. Whereas here they use the same one over and over again, and it's not even that impressive. Yeah. So... I would say the the change I would make for the next season, find a writer or consultant that can beef up the MacGyverism aspect. I agree. Something to where they could do an episode like when he had to judge the competition at his alma mater for the, the locked dorm room sort of situation. Yeah. And something where you just get some clever ideas, some, some okay, this is thinking outside of the box. Yeah. Um. But we'll see what they do for uh, a second season. Again, this was fun. It had enough of an arc over the course of uh, the season to feel like it had kind of a beginning, middle, and end. Each episode stood well. And I felt they grew the characters, particularly Bozer and Riley. Yeah. Um, and the team as, as a whole. Yeah, I agree. So at some point, if we've got uh, oodles and oodles of time someday, 
Um, I do think going through the original MacGyver episodes would be fun to do. Yeah. Do season by seasons on those. Um, and of course, we'll uh, tune in for uh, next season when that starts of uh, this version of MacGyver. Yeah. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what we've discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.